1045 The Zone's non-stop sports talk continues with a look at Nashville's teams and at news around the nation from the lead writer of 1045thezone.com. This is The Big Six. The Big Six with Jason Martin. Presented by Renters Warehouse. And here we go. up six o'clock by my watch means it's time for the one and only big six here on 104.5 the zone finishing up your work week finishing up your live and local here on the zone my name is jason martin you can follow me on twitter at jmartzone if you would like say it every night i'm blessed beyond measure all reasonable and otherwise hope you recognize that you are as well hope this finds you and yours doing exceedingly well in your life and my DMs at Zone always wide open for a faith-based conversation. I've had some good ones. I really have. So if you do need somebody that you want to talk to about that, I am definitely available to you. If not me, I hope you find somebody in your life that you trust. Couldn't be more important. I can tell you that. Week ago, Friday, you know, a week ago Friday, was a pretty good day for me. I think you heard about that on Monday. I'm not going to get back into it too much, but I'm still feeling blessed and looking so forward to – well, it's less than two months away now, but let's talk some sports this evening. I don't really have anything else to say about Taylor Lewan. Some people assume that I don't believe him. And some people claim they want to unfollow me and all this. I mean, whatever it is that you need to do, it's fine. This morning on Outkick the Coverage, I was with Clay Travis and my buddy Chad Withrow, who, of course, you know very well on this very radio station, talked about how any opinion you have on Taylor Lewan right now is justified. He chooses to believe him. I choose just to wait. Is that okay? Is it cool if I just kind of chill for a minute and just wait until every bit of these facts come out? The problem for me is I kind of wanted to believe Ryan Braun, and he was so loud and in your face, and even accusatory at anybody who dared to besmirch the fine name of Ryan Braun, and then it turned out he was cheating, and then Lance Armstrong. I mean, there have just been too many guys who have really denied this, and it turned out not to be the case. But I said I wasn't going to talk about Taylor Lewan. I want to believe him. I really do. But not an apology or tears or anything like that. That's not going to change it. And here's the bigger issue, at least for me, and then I will move on from this. Even if he didn't do it knowingly, he's still responsible for knowing. I mean, nobody else is getting popped for this stuff. I'm not saying nobody. I'm saying, relatively speaking, nobody else. If it is so hard to pass these tests, if it's so easy to fail for Osterine and all these things, then why are so few dudes getting tagged with this? Why is it just Taylor Lewan that was that unlucky because it's so easy or is everybody else that lucky that somehow they have avoided it even though they all have Osteria in their system? I had somebody tweet me last night and said, you don't know what's in the air you breathe. Yeah, but, I mean, if that's your argument, then we're all on PEDs and the entire league should be suspended, and that's not the case. The bigger issue is, at best, this was negligence and ignorance, and that's – the same penalty it's a still a four game suspension however you want to look at it and it's still devastating to this tennessee titans so this story came out a couple of days ago this is from chase carlson attorney for adrian peterson sent on july 23rd document 
the truth behind Adrian Peterson's current financial situation is more than is being reported at this time. Because of ongoing legal matters, I am unable to go into detail, but I will say this is yet another situation of an athlete trusting the wrong people and being taken advantage of by those he trusted. Adrian and his family look forward to sharing further details when appropriate. Well, you know the story. He's made over $100 million in his career, and he's dead broke, still playing in the league, owes millions to creditors, has no money, no assets. After a very lengthy career at a position that usually doesn't have this kind of longevity, he and LeBron James have somehow just bucked the trend and stayed somehow. It's like they've turned back the clock. This isn't like Tom Brady at quarterback. You can stay and play for a long time. But this running back stuff, you don't usually get this long of a career. And Adrian Peterson is, but he's still in trouble. So I was reading an article at CNBC about this. And I'm just going to read from this article. Though professional athletes often are blessed with more wealth than most people will ever see in their lifetimes, they are fat targets for scammers, and they still struggle with saving and budgeting. One example of -of out-of-control spending. Peterson apparently threw a lavish 30th birthday party in 2015, photos of which have resurfaced amid his current legal woes. Some 320 guests attended the festivities, which featured elaborate ice sculptures and a rented camel. I think that he was taken advantage of. I think that that is what we're hearing. He had bad financial advisors that were putting his money in the wrong place. There might have been some shady real estate deals that he got sucked into. But he also rented a camel for his 30th birthday party, 320 guests and elaborate ice sculptures. That according to ESPN reporting and CNBC as well. That's probably going to soak your bank account. But the bigger thing here in general is this is why guys continue to try to make the most money that they possibly can. And one thing, I heard Bomani Jones say this, and I agree with him. I had never really thought about this before. This is why lottery winners put bags on their heads when they go to collect their checks and try to stay anonymous. They don't need the whole world to know this. Matter of fact, they don't need anybody to know this if they can help it. Think about all the people that come running when you get money. That's like the old Will Smith quote. If you weren't with me during the struggle, don't expect to be with me during the success. It's better to have a friend group that you can trust before you become hugely successful or famous because in the back of your mind, you can never tell for sure why they are actually spending time around you. But the ones that were there when you were making seven fifty an hour, part-time, living not just paycheck to paycheck, but paycheck to, all right, we're out of money. We've got to wait four more days before the next paycheck comes in. So we're just not going to eat if we have to, or we're going to eat ramen. We've all been there. Believe me. Those are the people that were there through thick and thin and are still going to be there. But even they can take advantage of you after the fact. Money does weird things to people. It's kind of amazing. You guys listening to me right now have no idea what I make for a living. You don't know what anybody in this building makes for a living. You don't know generally what almost anybody in media makes for a living. Every once in a while, a big-time deal, like maybe you'll find out what Megyn Kelly is making or, you know, when she got her NBC show or whatever before it got canned. Or you'll find out when there's a contract extension for Diane Sawyer or whatever it might be. Like maybe you'll hear that. Here's what Ryan Seacrest is getting, and here's what Howard Stern just signed with for SiriusXM. 
but generally you don't know what I make. You might have some idea. You might be wrong. You might think it's more. You might think it's less. It's not something I'm going to broadcast ever. It's kind of interesting that athletes' salaries, what they make, when they're going to receive it, when they get signing bonuses, all of this stuff, incentives, everything, is right out there for public consumption because we spend a large part of our time talking about what they make. I mean, nothing is behind closed doors. You know what every athlete makes, or you can find it. I mean, go to spotrack.com. They've got all the contract details. They've got how they go from year to year. Oh, it's front-loaded. Okay, well, he's going to make 24 mil this year. Then he's going to make 23. Then he's going to start making 19 for the next three years after that. You know everything about these dudes' finances. So imagine how easy it would be. And look, even if you didn't, you know it's a pro athlete. So you can still go and exploit these people. You know, there's a show on CNBC called American Greed that I used to watch all the time. Stacy Keach was a narrator of that thing. It's like, next time on American Greed. And because I am relentlessly fascinated by white-collar crime. Ponzi schemes, pyramid schemes, all of this kind of stuff. Even, like, fake religion kind of deals and things like that that are worked into a lot of these money-grabbing schemes as well to try and make them seem legitimate and more, like, family, atmospheric. But there are so many people that are trying to get over on somebody else. I mean, how many emails have you gotten? I don't know how many times a week somebody sends a corporate email from one of the various emails that I get from various companies that I work for that tells me, do not open this email because this one is a phishing scam. There are people out there trying to take advantage, and that's why there are financial courses and management procedures out there for athletes especially in the NFL, they have a financial advisor's registration program because the NFLPA tries to find guys that are not going to take your money away. And so they, at the same time, a lot of them are picking guys on their own and they have to find a way to vet them. This is what CNBC says about that. That means digging up their details on the financial industry regulatory authorities broker check website and the Securities and Exchange Commission's Investment Advisor search site. Researching an advisor's background is only the beginning. Players should also make sure advisors hold clients' assets at a custodian. And then it goes into much more detail. And then then we get into the things. I love all this stuff. I'm riveted by it, fascinated by it, but I can't speak too intelligently about it when we start getting into some of this stuff. But it appears that Adrian Peterson might have had one single individual overseeing all of his money, including investments, properties, and all of the regular monthly cash flow. And putting your eggs in one basket is an it's a cliche and a slogan that doesn't necessarily apply to this, but it can now. Adrian Peterson's broke. Matter of fact, he owes what, six million dollars, I think it is, to one of his creditors right now and can't pay it. This is a guy who's made over a hundred million has a $4.7 million Texas home, or at least he did. D'Angelo Vehicle Sales, a McAdoo, Pennsylvania-based creditor suing Peterson, alleging he had failed to fully repay a $5.2 million loan. With interest and other fees, the sum claim comes out to $6.6 million. He's had 12 seasons in the NFL, about $100 million just in what he's made in the league. And now he's in court 
with millions of dollars he can't pay back in loans. He was ordered to pay another $2.45 million to Democracy Capital Corporation of Bethesda, Maryland. 30 for 30, there was a story, or there was a 30 for 30 installment years ago called Broke. About a lot of athletes that end up with no money. So when you see Ben Simmons sign a five-year, $170 million contract, before taxes, of course, just stop and think. It is... You know, I always say, I don't even know what I would do with that kind of money, how I would spend it. I really don't. And that kind of goes in both ways because could I find myself falling out of control because I just don't think it's ever going to stop? Maybe. Conrad Thompson, who has had a successful mortgage business for a long time, stumbled because of friends and just being a really good guy and marrying into Ric Flair's family, found himself somebody who could host these podcasts. He now has, what, three of them? And he's about to have even more of them? No, he's got four of them. Excuse me. He does one with Bruce Pritchard, who was high up in WWE for many, many years and is now there again. Eric Bischoff, who was in charge of WCW, Jim Ross, who you all know is good old JR. And also Tony Schiavone, the voice of WCW during its boom period in the late 90s. And these podcasts, I mean, they have sponsors on them and they're making money. But the story that I want to tell you was about Conrad Thompson getting with Bruce Pritchard before they did a live show. They actually do live shows. They've done them at Zany's. We actually introduced JR and Jerry Lawler. We, me and David Reed and Brandon Hagney was out that night, but he would have been a part of it as well. And Conrad was there. But one of the things that I heard about Conrad that I do think is relevant here is that Conrad Thompson pulled Bruce Pritchard aside at one of their earliest live shows and he said hey brother let's soak this in and make as much money as we can right now and bruce's bruce didn't even understand what he meant and he's like hey man we're, we're gonna be doing this for a long long time and conrad's like that's not assured he knows that the time is limited that eventually he won't be doing this he'll be doing something else or this will fade away he knows it doesn't last the money is eventually going to stop coming in for adrian peterson as a football player so you do have to have enough set aside to take care of you and your family and make sure that everything is under control for the remainder of your life. And it makes me wonder how many young athletes are led entirely astray by just this sort of thing. It's pretty frightening. Oh, yeah, some dude showed up in an armored truck to the first day of camp. We'll talk about him next. This is a Big Six on 104.5 The Zone. Countdown to Titans training camp is on. Nashville's exclusive home for the Tennessee Titans is your sports station. 104.5 The Zone. Welcome back. Big Six here on a Friday in the Music City. Titans camp open today. Football is close, folks. I mean, pretty much we're about to have wall-to-wall pigskin for the next handful of months. Feels good, doesn't it? We're brought to you by Renner's Warehouse here on this program. They are dedicated to putting homeowners on the path to financial freedom through rent estate, renting your home without having to do the hard stuff. Renner's Warehouse, the rent estate company. I'm Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. That's how you follow me. So Jags camp open. One guy didn't show up. Another guy who wants money, and they've said, hey, we're not going to do anything with you until after the season. 
Well, he showed up to make a statement. And you might know him. His name is Jalen Ramsey. He has never been afraid to speak. And he really kind of just wants it known. He climbs out of an armored truck after somebody introduces him. He's carrying bags of cash. But he did show up to training camp, which is a good thing. Means he's going to go out and still play football, even though he wants to get paid. And we'll see what he does this year. The Jaguars were kind of a dumpster fire a season ago. But I still think Jalen Ro- Jalen Ramsey, excuse me, is one heck of a player. And probably he's going to be out to show something this year because he does want that extension and he wants that big money. Tom Coughlin, I don't think, is a big fan of Jalen Ramsey, but I think Jalen Ramsey is a much less fan of Tom Coughlin. Not a fan at all. If you saw the Instagram video with him and Leonard Fournette, where basically he said that he is going to command a, quote, ungodly, unquote, amount of money and that he's not going to take a hometown discount. Jalen Ramsey's going to get paid, and I don't think he cares for Tom Coughlin and vice versa. But this is fun. Training camps are opening up across the league. Titans opening theirs up today. We're going to start getting a lot of things said that I'm going to tell you the same thing I told you last year. I learn a lot at training camp when I stand next to Dave McGinnis, my buddy, who tells me more about football every time I'm around him than I've known to that point in my entire life. And he will show me things, and I'll pick up on things. But outside of that, there are going to be people with notepads they are going to tell you what happened on every single play during training camp. And I'm here to tell you I simply don't think that it matters, like at all. It might fascinate you, and if it does, you're in luck because you're about to hear it hours and hours and you're going to read it and you're going to see it but i'm probably not going to spend as much time talking about it as a lot of people i'm just going to go ahead and put that out there right now and tell you if i see something that's actually interesting if someone says something or if something goes down or whatever maybe i'll give you a couple of minutes when i'm out there i'll give you a couple of minutes on what i saw but i'm not going to spend the time talking about oh well he beat him on this route and he dropped this foot i just don't think that it matters i don't care if Insert. I don't care if Adam Humphreys drops a couple of balls. That doesn't mean all of a sudden it was a bad signing. I mean, none of this counts. This ain't even fake football. This is still training camp. I just want to watch the guys go out there, see what they got, but I'm not going to over-evaluate it to death. But there are other people that will, and they'll probably, you know, maybe I'd have one of them on to tell me why I'm wrong about this. But I just think that it is way overrated, and I think it's just more because we want this brand of football so badly that we are going to just get all up in it when it comes to every single snap during the preseason and before the preseason. Just shows what a money-making machine the NFL is. And speaking of money-making, Jalen Ramsey wants to make his money. Separate story, money-related is that Zion Williamson got $75 bucks for a seven-year deal from Jordan Brand. And I want to talk about Zion, but I want to talk about him in a different way. Reportedly, he was offered more money elsewhere, but he still stayed with the Jordan Brand because Jordan's his favorite player, even though he's only, I mean, he was born in 2000. How old do you feel? And as much as he likes some of these new guys, Jordan is always his favorite player. Let me ask you a question. Jordan is still a status symbol, right? Jordan 1s, there was an article about the Jordan 1 shoes and what they're worth right now on eBay. I worked at Finish Line. I was a store manager for Finish Line. And whenever there was a new Jordan release, 
there was a line with a velvet rope and we had to have security guards and everything else every single Saturday because that's when these things would release, Saturday mornings, it would be nuts. And those shoes wouldn't make it an hour in the store. They'd all be gone. They are still the status symbols. I mean, how many people are out here wearing LeBrons and that matters? How many people are wearing Stephs and that matters? How many guys, I mean, Shaq, he didn't even matter. I mean, he had those deals and... But it's all Jordan. So Zion Williamson signs with the Jordan brand, and I'm curious as to whether or not there's actually going to be a shoe that's going to be a status symbol. If ever there was a guy that could do it, not named LeBron James, who it never really happened for him. I mean, some people like those LBJ shoes that came out, those 23s, but they weren't jumping off the shelves when I was managing, trust me. And I, they were right at the cusp of when he would have mattered the most. It was early in his career with the Cavs when nobody talked about anything else but LeBron James. And they still were not selling at that point in time. But Zion Williamson, being as marketable as he is, you would think that now's the time to strike at sneakerheads and actually offer them a shoe that they can't resist. That's not a Michael Jordan shoe. Jordan brand actually needs to expand past Jordan and not just be known for retros and colorways. I could put my buddy Brandon Hagney on, or I could put our program director, Brad Willis, also my buddy on, and we could sit here because both of them love shoes. And I mean, I dig them too, but they are enormous sneakerheads and they've bought multiple J's and they talk about them here in the studio. But there are no new shoes that still capture that. I mean, you think about the shoes that are iconic now. There's not a whole lot of new ones, not at least in the sneaker game. If ever there were an opportunity, you would think, and this is not that much money, honestly. I thought Zion might command more than that. $75 million for seven years, that seems almost like a bargain, especially if they can actually strike it rich and put out a shoe worth its salt. And it's not that the shoes that have come out for other people have been bad shoes. They just have not been J's. Everybody still wants J's. Can that change? I I honestly don't know the answer to that question. I mean, Zion blew through a Nike, a PG, a Paul George shoe in that game against North Carolina at Cameron Indoor, and then he still signed with them so they could do something clever with the marketing. But they need a new spokesperson. As great as Jordan is, eventually they still need somebody else. I mean, I know Adidas is still rolling out Stan Smiths, and they're still rolling out campuses, and they're still rolling out Sambas. There is a such thing as a classic. It's not like Jordans are all of a sudden going to go out of style if Zion Williamson's shoes were able to take off. But if you can put some Zs out that are actually going to move the needle, that's huge if you're Nike. Because then you have somebody new who can then potentially sell shoes for you for the next three or four decades. Are we still going to be talking about how Jordans were it for sneakers and shoes? It was Jordans and Air Force Ones there for a long, long time. And there would be new air, there would be new forces that would come out on Saturdays as well. Same deal as with the Jordans, just not quite as strong. But we see an evolution in virtually everything, in every commodity. We see somebody new replacing the old. It's not John Madden on the cover of Madden Football. It's some transcendent player every year. First couple of years, it was John Madden on the front of that game. Tiger Woods, PGA Tour, EA Sports. Eventually, that had to change. Unfortunately, 2009 made it 
happen a lot sooner than it would have otherwise. So then you get Rory McIlroy PGA Tour. Unfortunately, Rory wasn't quite as good right after they put the game out, so they changed it. Were they going to make a Jordan Spieth game? Whoops. But Zion Williamson, as can't miss as everybody seems to think he is, as much as he is talked about on television, I would have people, if I'm Phil Knight, if I'm somebody around Nike and the Jordan brand, if I'm MJ, I've got the smartest people in the history of shoes trying to put together the best shoe in the history of shoes. Because if you can get one Zion shoe to even come close to approaching what a Jordan shoe did, then you can get 50 Zion shoes to do the same thing. If you get one that works, all you have to do is iterate off that shoe and iterate off that star power for the rest of time. That's just pure economics, folks. I wonder if they have something up their sleeve this time because they've never maybe had a better opportunity, at least since LeBron, and it just never really happened there. Zion is a dude I think that could sell some shoes, but it's got to be the right shoe, or is it just going to be people wearing retro threes forever? We'll be right back. This is the Big Six on 104.5 The Zone. Zone on thezone.com. Your home for the zone online. online. Read the Big Six blog. Register for contests. Find out what will be in your area. And catch up anything you might have missed with the Hiller Plumbing, Heating, Cooling, and Electrical Podcast. Find out how to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Download our mobile app and listen online. You'll find everything you need to keep up with The Zone. All in one place at 1045thezone.com. Titans opening training camp today. And so I look at the schedule. Last year, 9-7, and seven, yes. We know how that season ended in that just downpour of all downpours on December the 30th against Andrew Luck. They open up against the Browns on the road. Then they play Andrew Luck at home. Then they go to Jacksonville and to Atlanta. Those are the four games we expect Taylor Lewan to miss. I think it is very possible they are one and three after those four games. I don't know that that would be different if Taylor Lewan were on the field. Maybe they'd be two and two. But I know my, my pal Jeff Schwartz says... He's got the Titans beating the Browns in week one. I do not. I'll take Cleveland in that game. I'll take Indy in week two. I still think Tennessee goes to Jacksonville and still beats them, and then they get beat on the road in Atlanta. That's just me. But as training camp opens, the question that I have for the Tennessee Titans is, even if you got better, how much better did you get? Did you get better enough that you're actually going to advance on the on the rest of that division? Because it seems like the whole division got a little better. Nick Foles is better than Blake Bortles. The Colts are going to have another year. And, you know, Andrew Luck was not expected to be that great last year, and he was. But then they got a taste of a playoff loss, and I think they're going to come back hungry. And they did not make – they did not go spend a ton in free agency, but they did acquire a couple of nice pieces – And they already had a couple of nice pieces. And Chris Ballard may be the best drafting GM that we've seen in a while in the NFL. Houston, I don't know what that's going to be because Watson still doesn't have a great offensive line in front of him. Their general manager situation is ridiculous. They're waiting on the Patriots 
to let that guy go if they do. And so they don't want a lame duck guy there for one year. That sounds really stupid to me. Bill O'Brien has never really blown me away as a head coach. Their defense is still quite dominant as long as those guys stay healthy. But we've seen Watt has had trouble staying on the field. Clowney's had trouble staying on the field. Other guys on that defense have as well. But I think at the top of the division, you've got the Colts. And then you've probably still got Houston before you start to figure out where Jacksonville and Tennessee are. Now, if I'm wrong about Nick Foles, who I still say is a backup in a great Halloween costume as a starting quarterback, if Foles is the truth as opposed to what I think he is, then the Titans could be at the bottom of that division. It's not a particularly easy schedule, especially in the bookends. The first four are difficult. Then you play Buffalo, a game you can win. You go to Denver. It's never easy to play in Denver, but I'm a Broncos fan, and I'm here to tell you that's still a winnable football game. Versus the Chargers, I don't think is a winnable game this year. Versus Tampa Bay should be a winnable game, even though Jameis Winston is fighting for his life, basically. At the Panthers, that is not going to be easy. Versus Kansas City, I'll pencil in a loss, even though Patriots and Eagles both got beat here at Nissan Stadium a season ago. Versus Jaguars here, I'll take Tennessee. At the Colts, I'll take Indy. I don't think they beat Indy again either time this year. At the Raiders, I don't know what the Raiders are going to be by the time they get to them on December the 8th. Versus the Texans, versus the Saints, at the Texans is how you end the season. The four games Taylor Lewan is going to miss, I think take them maybe from two and two to one and three. I think with Taylor Lewan, maybe you get the Browns. I think without him, you lose to Cleveland. I think you're going to lose the first two anyway. Or no, excuse me. You're going to lose against Indy and against Atlanta anyway. You were going to beat Jacksonville and I think maybe beat the Browns, who I'm still not so sure about. And if you've been listening to this show for any length of time, you've heard me lay that case out before. There's just too many unknowns, too many variables, and too many just there's a lot of new there. And I don't know how that new is going to play. But Lawan being out certainly is going to hurt them. They do have, I think, a better receiving core than they have had at any time for Marcus Mariota. Even with his blind side not being protected, he should have some guys he can get the ball to. Now, can he be consistent in the mid-range? Humphreys is the guy that I look at and I'm very excited about for this football team. I think he could be a huge difference maker for them. I like A.J. Brown an awful lot, at least what we saw in college. And everything that you've heard is very positive there. We'll see how it translates. Receivers have not been a position that the Titans have done particularly well with as of late. But getting Walker back on the field is not going to harm things. And hopefully Corey Davis can be more consistent. And maybe if there are more targets out there, he doesn't get focused on quite as much and can actually slip behind and make more plays. They're going to need him to be sure. Defensively, you just made Kevin Byard the highest-paid safety in NFL history. Kudos to that. Kudos to what Kevin Byard said today. You heard my take on it yesterday. I think it's an inspiring thing, and it should be very, very inspiring to anybody who thinks that they're not working at Apple, so they're not going to ever make it in tech. Or they're not working at Google, so they're not going to make it in tech. I'm just saying, 
I'm not trying to slight Middle Tennessee. I mean, I graduated from a wonderful school. Would not have had it any other way at Western Kentucky. But Western Kentucky wouldn't be seen as Apple. Middle Tennessee wouldn't be seen as Apple. They'd be seen as, I don't know, Lenovo, maybe. I don't even know if they'd be even seen as that. But it just goes to prove that it's about you. It's not necessarily about your circumstance. It's about where your center is and how you go about your life and who you listen to and the decisions you make. Ask Adrian Peterson. He's done a lot of good things in his life on a football field, been blessed with unbelievable ability. The two things that you know him for, outside of how great a football player he is, aren't so good. He's broke, and he beat his child. So you can make good decisions, and you can make bad decisions. And when you go back to Taylor Lewan, you just have to wonder what was the decision that he made. I still go back to the 27 supplements, which sounds like an awful lot in the first place, but only being registered for 23, according to that A to Z Sports Nashville report. That one still bothers me a little. So what were the other four, and why would you need to take those? How many more supplements do you need? How many supplements does anybody need? Like I said, I take two vitamins and a probiotic, and that's it. I don't play pro football, but even if I did, I can't imagine taking 27 pills every day if that's a daily regimen. Maybe it's not. I don't know. I want to believe Taylor Lewan, like I said. But the Tennessee Titans have to go out there and they have to do it with who they've got right now. And Mariota knows his blind side's not going to be protected for the first month, at least to the degree as expected. Doesn't mean that somebody's not going to be there. Somebody is going to be there. That's going to have to get some reps, although Lawan's going to be practicing as well. So that's going to be something else that you have to navigate. But they're not necessarily going to change the game plan. It's just going to be you have the highest paid left tackle in football not out there, somebody that many believe is the best player on this entire football team. And so if you put anybody else out there, then you go from the best to, at best, the second best. And we're not talking about the second best here. So it's not wonderful. But after a month, whether you're 0-4, 4-0, or whatever else, you've still got 12 more games to play. And a lot of those are winnable because this team does have the personnel to get the job done. I just think it's a tough division. And I don't like the I don't like starting out one and three, which is where I am right now, predicting this team to be, and then expecting them to really turn the corner after that. If they've fallen behind a Colts team that's red hot, or if the Texans get out strong, or even if the Jaguars were to actually get out strong as well. I think it might be a dogfight down to the end. But remember, it came down to the final game last year, and Tennessee couldn't get it done because Mariota wasn't healthy. This year, you've got Tannehill, who you'd rather have than Blaine Gabbert. Both of them, though, Mariota and Tannehill, have dealt with injuries in the past, severe injuries, and have not been available for their teams at the end of seasons. If it comes down to the end, you're going to point back to these four games. And even if they would have lost with Taylor Lewan on the field, that is going to be what you point to and say he cost the Tennessee Titans the playoffs. You might not think that's fair, but I can tell you that's exactly what's going to happen. Did you see pardon the interruption or around the horn or high noon or first take or undisputed or any of the shows that talked about Lawan today? They kind of mocked it. They even kind of mocked the apology. That's how the national media sees this. The only way that this really goes away, and it will, We'll forget about this if they win. 
if they make the playoffs, we probably won't be talking about this. Remember, Julian Edelman got banged for this last year, missed the first four games. People were talking about him potentially being in the Hall of Fame after the Super Bowl, which was a ridiculous discussion to have in the first place. But nobody was talking about the fact that he was suspended for PEDs to open last year, right? We will forget about this, but you've got to win and show out. wonder if Lawan knows that he can actually erase this if his team actually still finds a way to make the playoffs. We'll be right back to finish off the week. Big Six, 104.5 The Zone. Down for giving away our next big prize? Well, you would if you were a Zone MVP. Sign up at 1045thezone.com. segment of the week here on the big six 104.5 the zone i'm jason martin we're brought to you by renters warehouse dedicated to making renting your home easy fast and worry free renters warehouse you can't buy happiness but you can rent it you can follow me on twitter at jmart zone jason martin show heard right here and across the country on fox sports radio sunday mornings 3 to 6 a.m eastern time you get the first two hours 2 to 4 a.m and then you get 6 to 7 here on the zone but you can hear the entire show that way. Also, Squared Circle Radio on Sunday morning. David Reed and I will be in this week as Brandon Hagney is in Baltimore with his wife, Angie. Running backs, do you pay them? Do I really need a full segment here, or can I just say no? How many great teams in the NFL right now are paying running backs? How many successful franchises in the NFL are out here paying running backs? You got Melvin Gordon's upset, but Austin Eckler averaged over five yards of carry last year. And it looks like the Chargers are going to call his bluff and say, do you actually have leverage? The answer is no. If he wants to go, I guess maybe he could try to hold out or whatever. That's not going to work out very well for him, I don't think. Zeke Elliott, not on Cowboys plane to camp yesterday. And he wants $57.5 million. He wants more than that, actually. That's what Gurley got. He wants more than the four-year extension that Gurley signed. And maybe he's going to try to pull an Emmett Smith. I don't know. Do you pay Ezekiel Elliott? I think if there's anybody you think about paying, it's him. But you've got a problem here because Dak Prescott wants money. It's a quarterback's league. I'm not a huge fan of Dak Prescott, but I'm not a detractor of his either. I think he's pretty good, just not great and I don't know that he's going to ever be great I want to see what he does this year I know he's a lot better when Zeke's on the field but in a quarterback's league and you've got three guys that are going to command big money Charles Robinson of Yahoo Sports put this out last night that with what Zeke wants the Cowboys now have three players Dak Prescott Ezekiel Elliott and Amari Cooper that with the deals that they're going to try and get could be among the three highest paid players at their position in the league You have to pay Amari Cooper if you're the Dallas Cowboys because you gave up a first-round draft pick to get him. You don't do that to rent him for a year and then let him go. You got that because you believed in him enough that you thought he was going to be a long-term solution for you as a number one wide receiver. This is not Kawhi Leonard. This is not the NBA. You didn't rent him for a year. You don't give up first-round draft picks for one year especially when you're probably not going to win a Super Bowl. And, of course, they did not. So you pay him, and he produced. He wasn't as great down the stretch of the season, but that team, they were sort of all over the place. Seahawks should have beaten them in a postseason. That was a game plan issue for Seattle. Earl Thomas, I'm sure, would agree. But 
in terms of paying Ezekiel Elliott, does he become the odd man out? And again, I ask you, I mean, how many running backs have the Patriots paid? How many running backs have the Philadelphia Eagles gone out and paid huge money for? Yeah, the Rams paid for Todd Gurley, and what happened? Todd Gurley barely able to play in the postseason, now has arthritic knees, and C.J. Anderson was pretty good in his stead in the playoffs for the Rams. They paid him. I get it. I mean, he's one of the guys that you would look at if you were going to pay a running back. You would say, okay, Todd Gurley, Ezekiel Elliott, Le'Veon Bell. And Le'Veon Bell just got his money, and he said yesterday that the Jets are going to go to the Super Bowl because he's going to get 500 touches. One, no. Two, no. He won't get 500 touches, and they aren't going to the Super Bowl. The guy that is sort of the odd man out to me, not just in Dallas, but just in the league, that's not being talked about enough. If there's one guy that I would consider paying in system, it would be Alvin Kamara. That's somebody I'm not going to let leave New Orleans. And it's not just because he's local here and it's easy to talk about him. It's because what he does and how he's played have been extraordinary and incredibly important to an aging Drew Brees who, let's be real, back half of last season, he was not particularly impressive. And so Nashville's eventually going to have to answer this same question about their own running back, Derrick Henry, who until about that half season point when Drew Brees started to play very mortal football, Derrick Henry was a guy that half this city seemed to want to trade. I mean, how many phone calls did we take on every show, including mine, including Monday Night Titans, including Midday, Wake Up Zone, 3HL, everything. Titans talk back, countdown to kickoff, everything. Get him out of town. He's a bum. He's a bust. This is just another Alabama running back. Can't get it done in the league. Then he goes to London, and you start to see some things. And then he comes back, and he's a totally different player, and they're using him better. And he seems to be running with purpose. Then you hear that he talked to Eddie George. And, yeah, if you talk to Eddie George, you're probably going to be ready to run through a wall. And that guy's going to be forthright with you and tell you what you need to hear maybe more than what you want to hear. And so maybe Derrick Henry's about to have just an incredible year. I need to see a little bit more before I put him, before I start building a statue down on Broadway for him. I hope that he does. I love him. But half a season is not going to be enough. And you think about Melvin Gordon, he just had a really good year, but Melvin Gordon has barely been able to finish the season without missing significant time in each one. So why in the world am I paying him when running backs have an average career in the NFL of about 2.35 years compared to the rest of the league that's another year past that. Did you know that? NFL career average is less than four years. So I get why Zeke's trying to get paid now, and I understand why Melvin Gordon's trying to get paid right now too because they realize, just like I was telling you about Conrad Thompson, that story earlier on in the show about how he knew that the time was finite, that it was limited, that he had to take advantage and enjoy it while it was there. These guys have to get paid while they're still at the top of their game. Now they're seen as elite. They're seen as transcendent. They're seen as can't-miss players. So pay me. Please pay me because in two years, that might not be true. I might blow out my knee. You might find out I have arthritis in it, and then you wonder why you paid me $57.5 million to not be a bell cow back for you in Los Angeles. If they can stay healthy and they're in the league five years down the road, that's one thing. But this ain't 1989, and it's not even 1999. Paying running backs doesn't pay off. So I don't know if Zeke's going to get his money. He's the one guy I would hate to watch him leave if I was a Cowboys fan or somebody in that front office. And I'd really hate to see him not play early in the year if I'm Jason Garrett because Jason Garrett looks a lot smarter when he has Zeke Elliott making plays. And Dak Prescott looks a lot better when he's got Zeke Elliott making plays. Zeke Elliott is incredibly important to what they do. But 
it's just not a strategy that analytically has any facts to back it up anymore that paying running backs is going to pay dividends for your football team because you can find guys later in the draft. They are replaceable. I mean, Kareem Hunt left Kansas City in very bad reasons. We know this. But what happened? Williams came in and ran like crazy. They were still churning up yards. They had two or three guys come in, and all of them sort of made up for Kareem Hunt leaving that team. And Kareem Hunt was like, oh, he's all pros, one of the greatest players we've ever seen. We'll see how good he is in Cleveland and how much difference he makes. I think he's a great football player. But there was two dudes behind him that still were able to handle that as long as Mahomes was still out there doing his thing and he still had all his receivers. So you got to pay quarterback if he's doing his thing, receiver if he's doing his thing, and then you get to the running back. And that's the reality for Zeke Elliott and anybody that's actually playing the running back position right now. Look at Jalen Hurd. Played running back. No, I'm going to play wide receiver. Yeah, he's probably going to have a longer career as a result. We'll see you on Monday. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. God bless and good night.